the author who came to tea. Hello and welcome to the author who came to tea. I'm your host, Charlotte. And I'm your host, Grace. Our author today is an award-winning middle grade writer who grew up with an unhealthy obsession with murder she wrote. Her five books have been translated into many languages and have won awards in both the UK and France. But shockingly, she does not have a Wikipedia page. Our fabulous guest today is the author of The Mute Button, for the, for the record, Fleeced, Billy Templar's War and The Matilda Effect. Welcome Ellie Irving. How do you like your tea? Oh, um, well thank you for having me first of all. So I like my tea um, sort of mid to fairly strong with a dash of milk. <laughs> Not too much milk to sort of weaken it. Um, I drink a lot of tea throughout the day. So this is probably... Actually, this is cup number four so far today. How do you think your characters would like their tea? Oh, that's a very good question. So when I write my characters, I think about lots of um, things that they're interested in. I think I have a whole sort of character checklist of um, what they might be uh, uh, keen on doing. So uh, what they're kind of fears are, what their favourite memory is, what music they like, what food they like. I've never thought about what tea they would like, but I think um, I think Matilda would, from the Matilda effect, would have um, a really strong tea, because she's a strong girl, um, with a dash of milk, because she's always sort of dashing around, and I reckon that she probably has loads of cups of tea made for her, or she makes loads of cups of tea, and then she always leaves them like half drunk, she's too busy inventing things, or she'll start drinking a cup of tea, and then this amazing idea will pop into her head, and she puts it down and goes off. So I think she's got lots of tea dotted all around the house that she hasn't drunk. Um, I think Granny Joss from The Children Effect would probably be uh, quite surprising in her choice of tea. So I think she'd have a fruit tea, like maybe something really refreshing and expected, like a a pomegranate and mango or something. Um, so yeah, so I think she'd be quite, un, un, I think she'd be quite surprising, no choice of tea. Um, and then I think I have some characters who just wouldn't touch tea. So like Anthony the Mute Button probably has never had a cup of tea in his life. He just likes squash. Um, so yes, it's not really something I thought of before, but um, yeah, I think they, they have lots of different sort of ways of taking their tea, like we all do. <laughs> Some of your books are the stories of young women who seek justice. Are there any books that you've read when you when you were young that inspired this theme? Oh, that's a really good question. So, um, yeah, I try and write stories that have girls that sort of know their own minds and are really independent, like Matilda. Um, and I guess I was inspired by all sorts of characters growing up. So I really liked um, Mildred Hubble in The Worst Witch. Um, that was one of my favourite stories when I was younger. Um, I love... Uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. That's one of my favourite books now. And there are lots of inspiring women in that book. So when I was um, writing The Matilda Effect, I did lots of research on amazing women like Ada Lovelace and uh, Jocelyn Belbonnell and Serena Williams, just all these amazing women. Um, so yeah, so I've been inspired by that. Um, what other stories did I love growing up that influenced me with strong female characters that want justice? Um, I really like Hermione in Harry Potter. Harry Potter is one of my favourite books, or the series of one of my favourite series. Um, yeah, so lots of stories. Did you write The Matilda Effect to promote feminism? Um, I didn't write it specifically to promote feminism. I am a feminist and I believe that girls should be able to do whatever they want to do, that boys can do, certainly. So I wanted to write a story about a girl who 
loved inventing and engineering because that's still sort of seen as things that only boys could do, which is ridiculous. So I wanted to write about a girl who did something that was a bit unexpected and that people thought she shouldn't do. Um, and then the more I sort of researched around that subject about science and inventing and engineering, the more I found that actually throughout history, lots of women have invented and discovered things that they don't get the credit for. So I kind of wanted to write about that injustice. So it wasn't necessarily making like a conscious decision to write about feminism, but because I'm a feminist and I agree in sort of equality and, and more equality, then I think that sort of comes across in all my stories anyway. So I think you do sort of write about what you believe in. And that's one of the things that I believe in. How did you create such different independent female characters? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I like writing about um, strong girls or girls that know their own minds and are independent. And they're the books that I would want to read. They're the books that I'd want children to read about and the characters I'd want children to read about. So I just like writing about children who, um, or in, like for example, in Matilda's case, just stands up and does the right thing and just wants justice for the people she loves. So it's quite easy to create them because I just thought about her doing the right thing and that just meant you know being independent and um and being really strong so i guess it kind of came quite easily what other books have influenced your life so um where do i start so lots of books have influenced me and i was a huge reader growing up and i still am a huge reader um one of the biggest books that have influenced me is probably lord of the rings um, I remember, so I grew up in South North Sea, which is where I live now, and I remember being about 10 years old, being in my bedroom one summer holidays, and I was reading a book, and I could hear the seagulls outside, but really, I was right in the middle of Mordor with Frodo and Samwise, like, trekking across towards Mount Doom, so it was the first memory I have of reading a book and just being sort of transported into another world, and that's what I love about reading, the fact that books can just sort of take you to other places and give you all sorts of adventures that you wouldn't otherwise get to have. So that sort of influenced me just from a sort of reading point of view and just knowing that books can really sort of transform and transport. Um, so there's Lord of the Rings. It's this epic sort of battle about good versus evil, and about people sort of working together and playing their part and doing the right things. So I like that. Um, Harry Potter did influence me um, from the point of view of J.K. Rowling as an author. So... When I, when I grew up, I didn't know anyone who had written a children's book. I didn't know anyone who had written a book full stop. So I thought that you could only be a writer if you were like Enid Blyton or Lol Dahl. I didn't, we didn't have anyone coming to our school to talk, about, talk to us about being a writer. Like I didn't know anyone who had written a book. So I didn't realise that if you had a good enough idea and you were prepared to work really hard, that actually you could be a writer. Um, so yes, I was obsessed with Jessica Fletcher and Murder, She Wrote when I was younger. I used to watch that. Um, and I, uh, what I loved about that was that she was this crime writer and she always found herself like in the middle of these murders and um, every week. And she would um, like use her crime writing skills to sort of save the day and solve the murder. So I wanted to be her. So I remember asking my mum and dad for a typewriter when I was seven because she wrote, um, Jessica Fletcher wrote all her stories in a typewriter. So I wanted to be like her and wrote all my stories in a typewriter. Um, so that's the first instance where I thought, oh, I want to be a writer. But I didn't know anyone who'd written a book. Um, so I carried on writing um, as I got older and I went to university and I did a completely different job. I worked in telly for a little while. 
making some really bad home makeover shows with Handy Andy. Um, and then I, um, uh, but then I, I discovered um, an idea for what I thought would be a really good children's book, which would then turn out to be for the record. So I wrote it, I spent about a year writing it, and I sent it off to so many agents and publishers, and they got rejected by everyone. Um, and then I rewrote it again, and sent it off, and it got rejected again. Um, and what really got me through that was knowing that J.K. Rowling got so many rejections when she first wrote Harry Potter. Um, and so that sort of spurred me on, the fact that she went through those re rejections meant that I knew it was just part of the process of being a writer. So Harry Potter did sort of inspire me, as well as being a brilliant book, but J.K. Rowling really sort of inspired me. Um, what other books inspired me? I forgot my other, I forgot my other ones. Oh, Good Night Stories of Rebel Girls I've talked about. Uh, so Mog's Christmas. So, thank you, Mog, Mog's Christmas. So I love Judith Kerr and um, it's incredibly sad she died. And I had the really good fortune of seeing her give a talk at the Henry Literary Festival um, last year. And she was amazing. She was 95 years old and she'd just published a book. She'd just talked about her latest book. And I remember thinking, that's amazing. If I can be half her age and still publish stories, I'd be happy. So she really inspired me. But that's but Mog's Christmas and The Tiger Who Came to Tea and uh, Mog the Forgetful Cat, they're the books that I first remember being read to by my mum and dad when I was little. And I have a little boy now, he's 15 months, Milo, and so I read to him all the Judith Kerr books. So Judith Kerr and Mog's Christmas probably inspired me when I was uh, growing up. And the final book that... Um, I'm really interested in now and that has inspired me is called um, Look Up by Nathan Bryan and it's about a little girl who wants to be an astronaut and she wants to go to space and she needs her brother's help uh, to get there but he's too busy like looking down at his phone and so it's about sort of looking up at the world and sort of looking up at the stars and just being interested in what's going around you so that's a real sort of influence as well. You talked about um J.K. Rowling and her rejections. Mm. Um, how did you feel when you got turned down by many different publishers? God, it's so... It's devastating because you spend so long... So I was working full-time and I was trying to write a book in my spare time and, and weekends and it meant sort of saying to friends, oh, I can't come out or I can't do that, I'm just going to write my chapters. Um, so you sort of sacrifice a lot to write this story and then when you send it off and just to have loads of rejections and everyone say, oh, it's not quite for us, sorry... It's really soul-destroying because you sort of pour everything into it. Um, but I also think it helps you to become really resilient because, you know, I could have given up. When I got all my when I got that first batch of rejections before the record, I could have given up at that point and thought, well, I gave it a go. I tried to be a writer. I'll just go and do something else. But I really believed in the story. I believed in my ability as a writer. So I worked a little bit harder and rewrote the story and just kept going. So it, it was incredibly sad. But then... You know, I, I, I read a lot of children's books. I still read lots of children's books. And I knew that the book I was trying to write was at least as good as what was already being published. So that sort of spurred me on to keep going. So getting loads of rejections is never nice. Um, but I also knew through, you know, through the experiences of J.K. Rowling and other writers I'd read about that it's just part of the process of being a writer. Um, so, yeah, so it was hard, but ultimately it sort of spurred me on. You must have felt so much better when for the record finally got published. How did you come up for the records mm? in for the record? How did I come up with the idea for the story? Um, so I 
Um, when I was growing up, I liked reading non-fiction books as well as fiction stories. So my brother every year had the Guinness World Record annual that I would always sort of steal from his room and read it. So I always liked Guinness World Records. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I saw a picture in the paper. It was just this sort of article in the paper, just on like the 10th page or something. It wasn't like front, front, front cover. Um, and it was about this village in Spain that had broken the world, the Guinness World Record for the world's largest salad. And it had this massive, this picture, this massive sort of trough with like lettuce leaves and peppers and onions and all everything sort of shoved in this salad. And I remember thinking, God, that must have taken them days. Like, just, it must have taken them so long to put together. Why bother? That's such a lot of effort to go to just to try and break a Guinness World Record. So I remember seeing that picture and thinking, well, what if? And that's my sort of favourite phrases of writing, you know, what if? And I remember thinking, well, what if this village in Spain had to break a world record? Like, what if there was something resting on whether this village could break a world record or not? And why, why, why would that be? What could that, you know, what could that be? So I um, thought about that and then I thought, well, what if this village had to break a world record? What if we had um, something happening in the village that meant it was going to be destroyed? What if they did it to save their village? And so the idea just sort of spiralled from there. So in the book, Luke is obsessed with Guinness World Records. He knows everything there is to know about them. And his village is under threat of development. There's going to be this massive sort of waste plant built in the village. And it means that some houses are going to have to be destroyed to make way for this big plant being built. And he doesn't want that to happen. So the villagers go to the council and they say, right, you've got a week. If you can prove that your village is worth saving, basically in a week, you can sort of put it on the map somehow, then that's going to be enough to stop this waste plant from being built. So Luke, being obsessed with world records, thinks, well, I know what, I'll just get everyone in the whole village to break world records and we'll become the village with the most world records broken ever. And that's going to make us famous and put us on the map and stop this waste plant from being built. Um, so that whole story came about just from seeing that picture in the paper of that village in Spain and thinking, well, what if, what if they had to do that? Why would that be? So yeah, so that was about 10 years ago I came up with the, with the idea for that book just because of that picture in the paper. For the record is about saving a small village. You grew up in a small hamlet. What was it like? I did, yeah. So I grew up in a place called Great Wakery, which is about... 15 minutes down the road um, and when you're small you don't really realise any difference I mean it's it had a little park it had um, lots of shops little news agents it had uh, it was where my school was so school was like a, it, just at the end of my mum and dad's rose about a two minute walk to school so it's fine it's only when you get older and you start to go out in the world that you realise oh it is actually quite a small quite a small place and there is more out there um, so it's absolutely fine but then I also remember when I was uh, getting older and growing up and I'd be going out with friends at like 18 and uh, and it just it felt like they all lived in sort of South End and were just going to town it was just really simple for them whereas it just felt like it was a world away being great opening so um, it was great I didn't really know any different um, but it's only when I got older that I realised oh there is a bigger world out there than great opening <laughs> Um, do you have any phobias or fears? Because in For the Record, there is um, a mum, and she has a fear of buttons and zippers. She does, yeah. It's funny you say that, because I wrote that book ten years ago, so I'd completely forgotten that she had that, until you mentioned that. I was like, oh yeah, she does have a phobia of buttons. Um, I uh, am petrified of sharks, specifically being eaten by sharks. Like, I have nightmares about being eaten by sharks, which is ridiculous because we live in South End where there are no sharks. 
but even still I hate like just paddling in and swimming in South End because I think I'm going to be eaten I think it's because I watched Jaws about a hundred times when I was eight which probably wasn't the best idea um so yeah so I've got a f- weird phobia <laughs> it's a phobia of being eaten by sharks and um, I also I hate spiders and anything that sort of scuttles and I don't like any sort of little creatures um but my husband's really scared of spiders so when you are, when you are scared of something but there's someone else in the room who's even more scared you have to be the person that deals with it so I'm getting better at dealing with spiders um I also have this really weird thing where if you get like a a, a biro or a normal sort of plastic pen if you take out the ink and the nib and you're just left with the hollow tube if someone blows into that it makes my skin crawl. It just makes me... I'm getting goose pimples just thinking about it. Just that noise of, of someone blowing into a plastic tube is... Oh, that's making that on my, on my neck so I'm not thinking about it. Um, or plastic drinking straws. Anything where somebody's blowing into plastic, just... Argh, it's a really weird... I know that's really weird, but it's something I've oh, I've always hated since I was little. I've got a thing about um, the... You know you can buy those socks which have the days of the week on them? Yeah. There's no way that you can really win with them. Because if you wear the right days of the week, people are going to think that you've deliberately gone through your socks and chosen the right pair. But if you don't, they're going to think you've got the wrong day. Yeah, and what if you wear two odd socks? So you've got a Tuesday on one foot, Saturday on another. People just think you look weird. So... Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The phobias and weird things, that, that, that's what makes us all different and unique. And, you know, um, it, it's, um, people have phobias for all sorts of things, like, like I discovered when I was writing for the record, and buttons and things. People are, yeah, people are afraid of lots of different things, but that's life. Do you have a book that you read when you were younger that helped you overcome scary situations or any fears? Oh, um, do I have a book that I was young, uh, whether I was younger that helped me overcome? Um, there was a book that I really loved when I was younger called The Ghost at Number 13. And um, I didn't know anything about the author. It was about a boy um, called Hamlet, whose dad was an actor and a bit of a um, sort of ham, like he was really dramatic. Um, and he discovered this ghost in his cupboard, in his wardrobe. He was a bit of a scary cat. And then the ghost sort of helped him overcome his fears and helped him with his history project on Henry VIII as well. And then I later found out that found out that the book was written by a man called Giles Brandreth, who is quite a famous I think it was an MP and he's quite a famous he's a presenter on the one show. Um so I read that, just did not knowing who he was. Um and it was only when I discovered it years later that I thought, oh it's written by him. Um so I guess maybe that helped me through. I don't think there's any any books in particular that help me overcome scary situations. I think when you absorb and read lots of books about courageous and brave children doing amazing things, I think that sort of seeps into your head anyway, so it's not helping you to think that you can overcome things as well. If you could go back in time, meet any author and have tea with them, who would it be? Oh, um, there's a few authors actually I'd love to meet. So I think I'd be so fascinated to go back to Victorian times and meet Charles Dickens and just to really see what the world was like then. Um, And he was a a rock star author. He used to go to America and he would do these huge tours to packed out audiences and read his books um, so I think it would be great to meet him and he was really um, interested in justice and um, he did a lot to help a lot for charity and lot to help um, poorer children as well 
So I'd really like to meet him. Um, I would love to meet Jane Austen, who um, obviously wrote Pride and Prejudice and other stories. I think she was a brilliant female writer. Um, and I'd be really interested to go and meet Roald Dahl as well. So he, I didn't, he was a huge um, influence growing up. I read, I read pretty much all his stories cover to cover many times. And the witches and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory just so inventive and full of amazing characters. So I'd love to pick his brains and find out how he created his characters and what kind of inspired him. And I think a lot of authors I know, particularly in my generation, were inspired by Roald Dahl and grew up reading Roald Dahl. So I think it'd be really good to go meet him, report back. I agree with you on Charles Dickens because I feel as though he was politically advanced for his age. And I think that it would be very interesting to talk to him about the things that are happening in our age mm. with political reasons. Yeah, and also knowing what we know now and going back and chatting, it would be fascinating, I think. I think you would be quite amazed that we developed a way that you didn't have to actually write with a pencil. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, can you imagine if we just showed him a laptop? He'd be, yeah, his mind would be blown. Yeah, his mind would be blown. I really agree with you with Roald Dahl as well. He's such a, like an inventive author. Mm. He really just, he didn't really mind what anyone else thought about his books. He was just like, I have my ideas. These are my ideas. Mm. I shall write them down. And what I think is brilliant is that he has created so many characters and moments that have just made their way into popular culture. So everyone now knows what a golden ticket is and everyone's heard of Willy Wonka. And I just think that's so incredible just to have that reach and to have generation upon generation of children reading his books is amazing thank you for coming to tea with us we have been your hosts Shana and grace if you'd like to buy ellie's books they are available at jackson diego story Emporium. thank you for listening keep, keep reading. reading very good very good well done that's incredible you should be really proud <laughs>